Joe. Hey, Michael. So, what are we doing here? Um, sorry I dragged you out here for this, but uh, we're recording a podcast. That's that's what we're doing right now. Yeah? Yeah. Um, we're doing a pop culture podcast where we're going to be analyzing different kinds of media, like movies, TV, comic books, you know, whatever. Yeah, and do you... Are we qualified to do that type of podcast? Yeah, I think I'm pretty qualified. I, um... I graduated with a degree in American studies, which I know sounds like some bullshit, but really is about what I did was use history and sociology to critically analyze and look at film and TV. So I have a lot of experience in that. I think you're pretty qualified, too. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm glad that my creative writing degree will be put to some type of use, uh, even though as we are doing mostly films... Uh, I will use writing terms, which, you know, who knows what these terms mean? I don't know. Who does? <laughs> Who's to say? It's all subjective. So what movie are we watching here today, Joe? We're actually watching Star Wars The Last Jedi. We're going to be critically analyzing it, and it's the way that The Last Jedi looks at the Star Wars franchise and what it has to say about its history and its legacy and where it should go from there. I think it's important to note about this episode and all episodes going forward, what we're doing isn't exactly like a five-minute video essay hot take review. What we're doing is more of a, a deep dive and, and critical analysis that also has personal hot takes. <laughs> along, naturally. Naturally. Um, we're going to be a using a lot of our personal experiences and our history and our uh, maybe finally feeling fulfilled putting our degrees to use. Totally. I think with all, I mean, we're big fans of Star Wars. We have a contentious relationship with it, of course, as I, th I suppose many of our listeners probably do. But we're going to look at it the, uh, as critical and as loving as we would any series that we have affection for. And I say that with the, you know, a disclaimer in mind. Uh, we both really like The Last Jedi. So if you don't, there's a 99% chance you're probably not going to like this podcast. I would love for you to be that 1%. I would, I really would. I mean that sincerely. I don't know if you will, but if you don't like The Last Jedi and you continue to listen to our podcast, I want you to know I appreciate you. I appreciate you as well. We are looking at Star Wars and the legacy that it is left. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Yeah. The bulk of our analysis with this episode is going to be focusing on the A-plot of, of this movie, which is Luke... Uh, Kylo, Rey, Snoke, that type of plot line. We're going to be covering the other stuff in broader strokes, but for the basis of our analysis, like Joe already said, about the kind of critical analysis of the Star Wars franchise itself, plus the uh, overarching ideas of what the Force and even just like the duality this film kind of has going for it, that's what we're going to be covering. And it's kind of most broadly seen in the A plot. It's not that the other plots don't matter, so to say. But we just feel like if for, the, for this analysis, it would be the most fitting to start with the A-plot and just use the others as kind of examples and kind of cover them in a, a slightly broader terms for the sake of uh, saving more of your time. The, the big overarching story that's happening over the trilogy, when we're saying A-plot, it's just the main storyline. So yeah, that being said, our A-plot doesn't really start until 15 minutes into the movie. Yeah, <laughs> when uh, Rey finally hands Luke the lightsaber and Luke throws it off a ledge. Picked up immediately from where the seventh one left off in a nice little subversion of just throwing the lightsaber off the off off a cliff. Yeah, and it's played for laughs, but I think it's kind of important to note because throughout this movie, the lightsaber is a symbol of hope. Um, and we'll get more into that over the course of our episode and hope, especially through the past. And by Luke throwing that out, <laughs> it. It's a direct, it's directly addressing where our character is mentally at. Luke just has no faith in the Jedi and everything the Jedi has stood for, for the past, I don't know, the entire franchise. Totally. It's, it's, it's tone setting is what it is. It's, I mean, even the quick space battle at the very beginning with, well, I know people kind of take shots at that with, with Poe kind of poking fun at Hux and now Luke throwing the lightsaber over. It's letting you know that this is going to be, this is not going to be a... This is not going to be a nostalgia trip. This is going to be a trip where everyone's a little bit conflicted and we're going for a slightly different tone than the previous Star Wars movie did. It's not going to be so self-serious. It's going to be a little bit more 
punchy, if you will. Yes. That isn't to say that this movie doesn't have its love and reflection and nostalgia for the for the Star Wars franchise. I think it's just a bit more subliminal than people might than people might think. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Ray is meant to be, right? She, I mean, she literally, she's she's as dumbfounded as the audience is, right? When she sees uh, Luke throw the lightsaber, she's like, "What? Like, Master Skywalker? Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> she she goes out and she kind of follows him all day to be like, "Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not doing anything. You're kind of just like, you know, dicking around. Like, your your X wings in the water and destroyed." You know, you're, you're, you're stabbing giant fish. Like, you're not, like, you're not doing anything. You're milking weird space cows and getting some green milk. What happened to the blue milk, Luke? What happened to the blue milk? But this supports my point that this film does have a lot of nostalgia and love for past Star Wars movies because this Mm -hmm. scene reflects an Empire Strikes Back when Luke first meets Yoda. Yoda isn't the Jedi Master that he expects and he gets impatient because he thinks Yoda's doing just some random bull. So mm-hmm. if you're paying close enough attention, you'll notice this movie is re- is going to pay a lot of love and affection for the original trilogy. It's going to reference um, Luke staring at the sun. It's going to reference when Luke and Darth Vader try to turn each other. When mm-hmm. he when Luke finally confronts the Emperor for the first time, like all yeah. this stuff is going to be visually and thematically brought back. But it's going to be evoking these things, but doing something new with them. Yes. Um, and that's like kind of like, once again, it's kind of what this first little montage of Ray following him is uh, until eventually Chewie breaks down Luke's door. You know, finally someone he recognizes and we end with him asking, like, where's Han? And it's like our first probably like serious tone. And when, like with that, we kind of swap back to with Kylo and right, he's meeting with Snoke and Tell me, Joe, what is Snoke? Who is Snoke? We learn later in the series that Snoke is really just a clone shut by up, the bad shut guys. Up, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. But because he's a clone by the bad guys, I think it still works thematically because Snoke is what we perceived the Star what the viewer might perceive the Star Wars trilogy to actually be about. When Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren, he's talking about how powerful the skywalker bloodline is talking about how kylo ren's gonna be the next darth vader how they want to turn ray how the empire's gonna control the galaxy we've heard all this big bad guy stuff before but really what the movie is trying to set up snoke as is our false preconceptions of what star wars is about mm-hmm. what the last jedi is trying to do is redefine and is redefine star wars and really open it up, right? There's not a whole lot of... A big part of this movie is saying that, like, having this kind of very narrowed-in vision on, like, Star Wars is about Luke Skywalker, Star Wars is about Skywalker, Star Wars is about, like, you know, this 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 battle of bloodline, and, like, very blatant good versus evil is very... It's not just short-sighted, but it's also wrong. It's not, it's not about this, and there's a reason why so many people and so many different people connect with this movie and i feel like a big part of luke's and we'll get there with uh his lessons to ray about like him opening up this definition of what uh the force is and therefore what star wars is by extension and naturally this also makes sense too with kylo destroying his own mask him literally shattering this identity that he crafted for himself and him being like showing his face on full reserve for this good first part of the movie kylo ren is the anarchist of the series kylo ren (laughs) looks at the past and wants to destroy it. Mm-hmm. He wants it to be completely obliterated. So when he's confronted by Snoke, who's trying to get him pissed off and trying to get him riled up, he he destroys his mask, which is like his symbol of his love for the past, really. Mm-hmm. He crafts this mask in honor of Darth Vader, right? Yeah. And he just fucks it up. Yeah. Destroys it. Totally. And even after he destroys it, it starts, you know, once again, they're talking about like, you know, evoking things of the past. What does he immediately do? He, bo- he goes and gets inside of a, a, it's not a TIE fighter. It's what is it? It's like his, his special TIE fighter. I don't want to look it up. He gets in his Kylo Ren fighter and he pulls off some like really impressive like space, like space maneuvers and showing, oh, he's a good pilot. Just like, you know, just like his, uh, just like his grandpa, just like, you know, just like his family. And he's showing around. He's 
kind of like he's really messing up the the rebel ships yes he's really he's really fucking him up and at this point in time he feels a force connection with his mom Mm -hmm. leia who is also another and i would argue like more of the defining symbol of hope throughout the series his connection to the symbol of hope his mom causes him to fuck up yeah it causes him to miss and to stifle because Mm -hmm. ultimately what this movie is trying to say is that we should have hope within the past yeah and kylo ren because he's an anarchist right now and he wants to destroy that that's why he you know tries to shoot it but because he still feels that inkling of hope he doesn't actually kill his mom that's like and once again it's like kind of doubled down on when the next scene immediately is luke going back to the falcon right once again it's evoking luke going back to the falcon for like this like kind of trip down memory lane because he can't resist it because he's still luke and you know underneath like his kind of a stoic exterior he goes back and he kind of enjoys himself and when r2 wakes up like, you know, credits to Mark Hamill's performance, I think that he's really selling that, like, like uh, Luke's warmth and friendship with R2. That, like, oh, he genuinely feels like old friends catching up, like someone you haven't seen in a long time. And you can tell, like, he he's missed it. It's, like, not only yeah. just that he enjoys it, but he's missed this. He's missed this type of, like, connection with people. Yes. This film does some really interesting things with color. It takes some cues from... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, which I would argue is a much more colorful movie than the other two original trilogies. And when Luke is in the Fal- the Falcon, the Falcon, whatever you want to call it, he's wearing dark gray. The scenery is in dark gray. But once the lights pop on, they're, they're colorful, bright lights. And when R2 comes into the scene, you could really see the blue on R2 mm-hmm. through yeah. the gray. And when, uh, when R2 does his cheap trick of reminding Luke with the recording of Princess Leia from A New Hope, that is also a very bright light within the context of that scene. Once again, reaffirming the bright light of hope from the past. Yeah. And it's still Princess Leia. And it's blue. Yeah. yeah. Blue and Princess Leia contrasting the red of our, uh, of our enemies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, he also agrees to teach Ray for, for that reason, right? Because he's reminded yes. of his original call to action, and also like his like redefinition of his own purpose. He's going. He's like, okay, fine, I'm going to teach you, but I'm still be a little bit of a, I'm still going to be a butt about this because I'm going to tell you why we suck, essentially. And I'm going to tell you why Star Wars sucks. <laughs> I think you're getting it wrong, Michael. It's not Star Wars. It's the Jedi. It's the old Jedi. The the old Republic and the new republic and where the new new republic where we're at currently in the story needs to learn yeah so yes he says that he's gonna give ray three lessons and the first one is about redefining the force Mm -hmm. we get a really fun gag where he smacks her hand (laughs) totally um even though this is like the the serious plot line throughout this film, they're still trying to inject that sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got its dramatic stakes in the right place and knows how to use humor to not also be distracting, but to like kind of add to the scene. Because what Ray is doing is, I think, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about with the Force. The Force is the Force. Like Joe, if I asked you, what w- what is the Force? What would you tell me what the Force is? Um, it's what binds us. It's the circle of life, Michael. Basically. And it's it's like this amorphous thing that has like this like kind of everyone has their own definition that kind of matches each other, but also kind of doesn't. And for so long, I think, you know, we, we want they tried to define the force and we all hated it. You know, everyone. No, no one likes midichlorians. Midichlorians never heard of her. Nope. <laughs> exactly. And so I think this scene is literally trying to say you're defining something by not defining it. You're saying like, oh, it's this. It's this thing that's all around us. It's this thing that you can't, you can't tangible, you can't like tangibly interact with, but you can also feel it. And I think that there's like specifically a a moment of him like kind of saying it's just like feelings or like reach out with your feelings that I think is also fitting for Luke at this point and even specifically to the Jedi Order as a whole, because what did the Jedi Order do? They cut themselves off from feelings. Luke has cut himself off from all his emotions, which is why I think like he doesn't interact, he doesn't like really react when they tell him Han passes away. He's just more stoic and more lost and more, you know, nonchalant about the whole thing because that's all he really knows how to interact at this point. But what's interesting is um, metatextually how the forest is also defined uh, in terms of visuals. Mm-hmm. When when this scene occurs where Luke is teaching her about the forest, she has to physically connect with the earth. She has to connect with life. Mm-hmm. The light side of the force is often 
personified through life itself, through mm-hmm. growing, through nature, which is why it's bright and colorful mm-hmm. um, and green and blue and why our enemies, which are, you know, essentially Nazis, they're space Nazis, yep. um, the Empire, the First Order, they're always connected to machinery. Yeah. Things that are cold and emotionless and don't mm-hmm. lack and don't have life. Yeah, totally. And they're also like all masked, right? They're all like, I mean, I guess except for the generals. But all the stormtroopers are the kind of this, they're uh, mirrored, even fan, uh, Phasma, you know, she may be, she may be shiny, but she's mm-hmm. still in the same stormtrooper outfit. Yes. And fun fact, stormtroopers are an actual type of Nazi soldiers. So, yeah. hmm. yep. Yeah. They're not Subtext. very, Star, Star Wars is not very subtle. No. <laughs> like a lot of things we like. <laughs> not very subtle, but I think with this movie there, and because it's reflecting upon the Star Wars trilogy, there are a lot of layers to peel back. Totally. I also think that it's also setting the movie, setting up the idea that, once again, it's going to do a lot of uh, new things with the Force, and by all means, are people going to complain about it? You know, whether it be something that's, like, just awesome, like Leia, you know, like, pulling herself through space, or, you know, the, the space Skype, like, if we're going to do space new Skype. things. Space Skype, it's what it is. Like, it's going to give us, like, even though, it, like, once again, it's trying to be like, hey, we're going to do new things with this, which, like, you know, whatever, we haven't seen Space Skype before. I think it's cool. And it's just so fitting that, like, it also just makes for good character interactions where, like, what's their first reaction to seeing each other? Like, every single time they interact through Space Skype, it gets a little bit more intimate. You're talking you're talking about Kylo Ren and uh, and Rey when they're when they're connecting through the Force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they first meet, uh, what's her first reaction? She shoots him. And, like, that's it. That's, like, all they really do. Yes. And then, like, it slowly builds, you know, more and more to the rest of the movie. Once again, you can bend the force. You can do these things with these with these properties to tell a more interesting story while not losing sight of what exactly makes this story interesting. Yes. You know, something like the force is like that. Ryan Johnson is trying to take Star Wars to its limit. And because of fan reaction, I believe this will be the limit, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, it, and the force will continue to get redefined um, the, through space Skype. It's not just um, it's not just visual, but it is physical. Mm-hmm. Like they they are literally teleporting through time. Kylo Ren can feel the rain that she that Ray feels on the island. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and I guess now's a good time as any because I think they're starting to bring it up. What is what is balance? What do you think? What do you what do you think about balance in this in this movie, Joe? I think it's naive to say that Ray doesn't act out of anger or hate when she uses a lightsaber. Yeah. And the movie recognizes that. Mm-hmm. When Ray feels drawn to the darkness during her first lesson with Luke, Luke freaks freaks out. Mm-hmm. Just like, I can't believe you would even go dare near darkness. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just doing the right thing by connecting with the Force and feeling her feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Her And, and for Ray, this explicit feeling is loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a negative emotion, which yes. if... if- you know, in this in this greater scheme, if Sith, you know, Sith have connection to the Force. Sith can use the Force, but it's primarily fueled by negative emotions, right? Yes. Whereas, you know, Jedi are supposed to be completely cut off, right? They're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be ambivalent about everything, objective, um, and that kind of and that leads to its own failings. It is connected to feelings, and like the strength of kind of overcoming those feelings and his fear of Rey at that moment is very much played as the idea because he also not only did he see it in kylo i think he also recognized it in himself right because luke was not free from these emotions and fits of anger that's what created kylo and that's you know the step further you know they don't say that but you can imply that especially on a rewatch yes luke needs some therapy (laughs) oh yeah everyone every most most movie plots could be solved by therapy you know (laughs) (laughs) everyone just needs a little bit of help you know we can't we can't just solve everything through our through our through our light phalluses so let's just talk to each other you know what i mean yeah I- i'm surprised you didn't try to to at least take one of the one of the keepers of the of the jedi temple as a as a confidant <laughs> you know just <laughs> i would love to watch like a five minute skit of luke just sitting there <laughs> on the grass trying to talk to one of them and they're just annoyed with him can i talk to you guys about like my feelings of inadequacy and they're just like <laughs> sitting there fixing the fucking hut <laughs> you don't understand 
Uncle Owen never let me go to Itachi Station to pick up those power converters. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, this is really what it's all stemming from. That's true. Luke, Luke needs help. Luke needs help. <laughs> anyway. So there's another aspect to this plot. The concept of history and the way that history is constructed. Which we gain through lesson two um, with mm-hmm. Luke. But before that, Kylo Ren plants the seed within Rey about what happened um, to the Jedi. Why yeah. Luke is the way he is and why Kylo Ren hates Luke. It, it's, it's, it's a seed of distrust, which you can read in a traditional Star Wars sense is this is what the Sith do. Mm-hmm. They are going to be misleading. But I think what this film tries to take from that is the way in which we rewrite our own history. Yeah. And especially the way in which we rewrite the history of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, people are taking it and defining it through their own terms, and they get so locked into what they define it as that you've, you've tunnel visioned and you can't see it for anything else, and you can't appreciate it. when You can't like appreciate other people's readings of this, right? It's, it's trying to tell you, open your mind, you know, try to, try to accept things for more than what, not, not even just that they aren't what you imagine they, they are, but they can be more, right? There's a lot in this movie about being more than just you know what what the jedi were yeah and that's what luke tries to convey in his second lesson to ray mm-hmm. he summarizes the prequels in a sentence the jedi fucked up they created darth vader they failed and luke repeated those mistakes because he didn't learn from the past totally. but at this point in time he doesn't recognize that Mm-hmm. so caught up within that failure that he himself is also rewriting the history when he tells Rey the story of what happened to Kylo Ren, he plays the pity party on himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, right? When really he is, he does have faults. Mm-hmm. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is, I mean, this is like going back to what uh, Snoke was talking about earlier. And, you know, all these characters have failed and they're all like weak in their own way. Uh, both Kylo and Rey, you know, they're both, in, like, they're both very strong in the Force but they're both very imperfect in that like they're not like beholden to these ideas naturally they're both wavering they're both wavering uh lights in their own uh in their own field you know uh kylo is a sith kind of and ray is a jedi kind of but they're both can easily kind of flow back the other way because the they have weakness they have this thing that in snoke's eyes he can use as a tool to kind of manipulate them but um, that doesn't have to be what they have. Doesn't have to be what weakness is. Yoda's gonna give us a lesson about that later. Mm-hmm. But before that, Ray is gonna try to instill hope um, mm-hmm. within Luke. The yeah. concept of and this is where Ray calls back Empire and and Return of the Je- actually no not Empire Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Where Luke says to Yoda in Return of the Jedi, "I think I could turn Vader." Yeah. Ray does. Ray makes the same mistake. Mm-hmm. I think I could turn him. Yeah. I think I, the individual, can manipulate the situation to benefit what I see as holy good. Yeah. And the film is trying to say, nah, you can't do that. That's that's not the lesson we're learning here. And Luke sees this hope and recognizes that he's disconnected from the Force, disconnected from his feelings, but he wants to feel a sense of hope again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wants to train Rey. He is training Rey. Yeah. So... He connects to the one sense of hope that he could really tangibly feel through the Force, and that's Leia. And this is the first time he con- he kind of connects with his feelings again, and he kind of gets that. Once again, it's Leia who resurges those feelings of, of hope and trust and, like, like I, you're doing something for a greater purpose than yourself. And even, like, for Luke specifically, who, like, for all intents and purposes, it, you know, he's kind of seen as, like, this uh, arbinger of knowledge and wisdom still. But he's very much become cynical because he's kind of let the truth kind of beat him down a little bit, right? Yes. And his guilt of the mistakes that he made mm-hmm. and him wallowing within the past. Yeah. It's after this scene that we get our different perspective on the past. Mm-hmm. Where Ray experiences Kylo's twisted uh, perception of the story. Mm-hmm. And then Luke, sensing that they are connecting through the Force, disrupts it. And they begin to fight. Yeah. It's at this point in time that we see Rey display anger. Yeah. And hatred. Mm-hmm. And she almost strikes him down. 
mm-hmm. with the lightsaber. His his old lightsaber. She wants to hold on to that sense of hope through the lightsaber, but she's using it for the wrong purposes. Yeah, and it's through that uh, Luke reconnects with the Force. You know, he catches himself before he falls. He's rediscovering himself almost, but he's still like he's still locked. You know, there's something to be said in this movie about how how much people are allowed to kind of fail. Luke essentially kind of fails Ray a bit here. Ray kind of fails Luke. Ray, like you know, Kylo fa- fails Ray. You know, everyone here is like kind of make the situation like they imagine it, but in that they're also kind of still inevitably failing because they're still repeating the mistakes of the past. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess now is as good a time as any because I think we're talking about it, and especially in this, you know, in the wake of this final revelation of what happened to uh, to Luke and what exactly transpired between Luke and Kylo when when Luke turns on his lightsaber to to strike down Kylo in this in this in this moment of fear people hate this moment right people really don't like it mm-hmm. but we the audience know that Luke had this exact impulse before right yes so what are we to make of the idea of Luke Le- Luke Skywalker the legend yes i can't help but want to quote the sandlot right now <laughs> heroes get remembered but legends never die <laughs> but but it's true mm-hmm. like they are ryan johnson is trying to say we can rise above our human uh mistakes yeah and at the end of the day we can provide a hope and legend for the future mm-hmm. the mistakes that we make we can dwell upon but we have to learn from them and and press on from there we can provide hope for the future yeah. By overcoming our own personal failures. Yeah. And that failure is in itself a installation of hope, right? Because it's a lesson. Yes. You know, these lessons mm-hmm. you can't look at them like you can't look at them like they're failing as in like a bad thing, but like le- take them and take them in stride and be like, "Hey, we're going to create something better with it." Yeah. Which is going to tie us into this uh when Yoda shows up again. Just being himself, just dicking around, mm-hmm. having a good time yeah laughing messing with luke yeah like connected to the whole feelings thing like what is the version of yoda that gets brought back it's the kind of like goofy silly kind of like wacky yoda right it's not it's not from empire yeah it's not the it's not the stoic you know like uh harbinger of all wisdom you know prequel yoda it's the jokey silly yoda that i mean i guess i i mean i don't know if anyone has more affection for the for the prequel yoda but i have a lot of affection for the silly yoda same i mean he's a muppet you gotta love muppets i love muppets but yeah yoda comes back and bringing once again another another bow to the series and how much ryan johnson really does love it and wants and wants to expand the canon of this story when obi-wan says strike me down now and i will become more powerful than you'll i've ever become this is what that comes back to Mm -hmm. yoda destroys the tree he's able to summon lightning once again nature yeah he summons he summons lightning and burns a tree to the ground yeah and tell and tells luke silly silly naive young luke skywalker you're still looking to the horizon yeah you're still looking at the dual suns on tatooine you're always looking to the future and you don't want to really acknowledge the failures of your past and learn from them but failure is the greatest teacher yeah fuck your power fuck your strength you're gonna suck you're gonna lose you're gonna fail and guess what you gotta learn from it yeah in, in like told in a very like warm and sympathetic way once again god mark hamill really sells this feeling of like reconnecting with like an old an old teacher an old master and like this this is such a side note but like i remember like you know pe- people think that this movie kind of takes a shit on someone that they looked up to as a kid and in this case being luke skywalker uh, but for me yeah. personally, I remember like getting to this scene, and even now, like I it 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 still makes me choke up a little bit because it's like, oh yes, mm-hmm. like it is okay, like you know, for various reasons in like you know my life then and my life now and other just kind of things on like a bad you know bad brain day, you know it's you, you know, it's okay to feel like a failure, and to hear hear my my hero, my childhood hero Luke Skywalker say, oh hey, I feel like I feel this way, reinstills that hope in me as an adult 10 year old me who looked up to this man and now me as an adult who's a little bit you know older a little less uh nostalgic for the series but still instills a little bit of hope in me in that like yes it's okay these feelings are valid you're okay to feel this way i love it i agree to me luke becomes more um admirable 
Mm-hmm. He feels like a real person. Our legends that we look up to are real people. Yeah. And this is where we start to begin our new legend. Mm-hmm. Totally. This is where Ray starts to try. She she tries to forge uh, a new path forward. Mm-hmm. Although making similar mistakes to the past. Mm-hmm. Once again, we're recalling Return of the Jedi. Yeah. When Ray is captured by Kylo Ren, and she's like, "I'm gonna turn you," and Kylo Ren's like, "Nah, I'm gonna turn you." Yeah. And then the scene, and then we cut to a big, beautiful, gaudy red room, <laughs> and a. And we we got Hugh Hefner with the golden cloak sitting on the chair, <laughs> and she's and and you know and it plays out in a very much in the same way that uh, it did in Empire, right? Where it's like, hey, you return, know, shit, return. Uh, where it's like, hey, you know, your your overconfidence will be your downfall. No, your faith, you know, da 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 da. Look at you know, look at all your friends about to die, but you know, and still she chooses to fight back. You know, and I think there's something. I think my favorite one of my favorite moments too. I think I said that a lot is when she pulls the Kylo's lightsaber, right? You know, she's she's, un- yes. she's willing to use, like, hey, this, you know, all this Sith first Jedi shit don't matter. You know, it's just a <laughs> lightsaber at the end of the day. You know, how it what matters is how, what you're trying to do with it. You know, this I, even this iconography of red meaning evil, whatever. You know, it's we're going to attack Snoke with it because the real villain is Snoke and this ideology. The real villain at this point in the movie. Yes, and the scene progresses in an interesting way because we're reminded once again of the hope from the blue lightsaber. Mm-hmm. From Anakin's lightsaber. Snoke kind of tries to steal it and mm-hmm. keep it on his throne. Like, I own this history. Mm-hmm. Skywalkers are, are powerful by blood. They're the only ones that matter. Even smacks Rey in the head with it. Totally. And then we get, you know, the big holy shit moment of the movie when Kylo Ren takes the lightsaber and cuts Snoke in half with it. Yeah. So cool. And Fuck that it's... guy. <laughs> yeah. Seeing the way that it's shot, mm-hmm. you see the lightsaber move a little bit. Then you see it's like the wheels are turning on the screen as they're turning in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's happening live as Snoke is saying, you know, spouting his bull about all the stuff we've heard before about the trilogy. Yeah. Um, and trying to refulfill that same destiny. Kylo Ren, once again, the anarchist, destroys it all. Yeah. And it it's setting up an interesting idea, right? It's it's saying like that we're doing away with these like kind of blatant, you know, like the mo- the most interesting villain in, in, in Star Wars was never uh Palpatine, right? You know, he's he's a, he's an orchestrate, you know, he's an orchestrator, and he's like the symbol of all evil. But everyone was you know, everyone loves Darth Vader because there was conflict in him. And so yes. just in the same way, there's conflict in Kylo. And so Kylo yes. makes a more interesting villain. So do away with this old, you know, kind of like mustache twirling, <laughs> fucking scrotum looking face, you know, evil <laughs> guy. And, 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 and embrace like something new. Like don't embrace these ideas of like just like blatant good versus blatant evil, but defining what good and evil is. And in this way, when when Kylo and Rey start to face each other again, after, you know, one of the coolest lightsaber fights in the entire series... Which in which like you know the fight choreography is really good and showing that they're all different stuff all that whatever it's like oh no they are still at odds with each other like they no they do not see eye to eye on this no because Kylo Ren does not want to learn from the mistakes of the past no he he pays lip service to that mm-hmm. but at the end of the day he still wants to follow like the dark side mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he wants. He wants to he wants to eliminate hope whatsoever and he doesn't want to learn or grow. Mm-hmm. Totally. He's single minded in that. Yeah. Whereas Ray, on the other hand, has I think at this point in time recognized that there has to be there has to be growth. There has there has to be a critical review of our past and of our history. And now as they fight over this, you see the symbol of the past of the entire trilogy that's got not the entire trilogy the entire series it's gone through three trilogies now (laughs) anakin's lightsaber they are playing force tug of war with it and it gets broken in half it's shattered by them trying to figure their ideology out right it's them literally taking the shards of some taking something breaking it apart to try to create something new with it right and neither of them can agree so therefore they destroy it and I, I yes. even think this is like this is going back a little bit, but like I even think when they're like talking to each other, and you know he reaches his hand out, 
I noticed this, this is so basic, but like I noticed on this rewatch, when he reaches out at this point, he has the glove on his hand. So it's like it's saying like, oh, like this is this is cloaked. This is not a genuine reach out because when they reached out before, it was just his bare hand. But now it's cloaked. It's it's dark. It's evil. This is not the hand you want. This is not your savior, Ray. The scene, you know, everything explodes. All our, you know, all our 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 B and C plot are freaking out because they're like, why is everything broken? <laughs> um, and we we resume with Kylo and he gets up and Hux is about to like shoot him, which. Uh, may I just say, I also like how they define Hux in this movie. I like how they yeah. just don't, tr- they just treat him like the, like the smarmy, wormy asshole he is. Like he's not yeah. a position of power. And once again, I think this is how defining what evil looks like now. No, he's this like wormy, pasty, like, it's like, like slug of a person. He's acting out of a feel of, a feeling of being belittled. Mm-hmm. And he's acting out of anger and aggression. But in the reality of the situation, he doesn't have a lot of power mm-hmm. when you're dealing with a Skywalker yeah. as a villain. Yeah. Yeah. And then what does Kylo do? He chokes him. Chokes him. And he, he he's like, well, I guess I'm the supreme leader now. He just he just becomes the villain again. Yeah. Good lesson, everyone. Really showing we're learning. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, and then and then we get our cool, you know, once again, we get a we got a cool white and red. Do you, do you make any sense of the white and red salt planet this uh, this time around? Other than it looks cool. I guess the red kind of emulating like blood flow. I think it just is a heightened state of desperation for the for the resistance. Mm-hmm. Because this is the last of them. Yeah. In in the cave. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, I'm not gonna pretend to be like I know everything and I'm super pretentious. I think it just fucking looks cool. No, it's I, I totally agree. <laughs> I also think it's super basic too, where it's just like I think it's just like, oh hey, uh, White and red look cool together, and also like it's you get it. It's it's on the surface it looks fine, but when you take even the layer back, it's kind of exposing a, a, an ugly kind of uh, weak red, right? Like blood, huh? Huh? Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. Color symbolism. It's cool. It's cool. I like it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, like all, all our all our C plots getting interacted, you know, the rebels are fighting back, they're losing really bad. We get our scenes with like our kind of our C and B plots are wrapping up with each other. And uh what drives the plot away but Ray showing up in the Millennium Falcon in the gunner chair. Yeah. She's she's in the fighting seat at this moment in time. She's she's mowing down those uh those TIE fighters. Mm-hmm. Totally. I'm um, trying to pr- trying to protect what's left. There isn't an emphasis on the past anymore in this third act or fourth act. I'm not exactly sure if that's how the film is structured. Instead of focusing on the past because the lightsaber is broken, she's protecting the present. Mm-hmm. It goes back. It it goes to the theme that Rose says: we're not going to win by fighting what we hate, but by protecting what we love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if you might not buy the romance between Rose and, and Finn mm-hmm i didn't but um yeah i get the theme yeah i mean like this i mean and this is a good time any to kind of cover those 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 plots and like kind of broad strokes they're all like and this is i think characterizes this new trilogy this new trilogy is very young you know mm-hmm. the oldest the oldest character i think the character that has the most history is like poe but even he's <laughs> characterized as being uh younger than holdo younger than leia all these characters are very naive right they all yes. have something to learn. They all need. They all have a lesson. They all need to learn it, uh, because they're kind of like children. They're being passed. They're literally being passed the torch. You know, in this case, being a light, whatever it be a lightsaber, and they all need to learn, like basically how how to rebel and how to carry forward an ideology and create something that's not just repeating mistakes and troubles of the past, right? As we go through these like B and C plot lines, we see like it just reaffirms our symbols of hope. You know, mm-hmm. once again, Leia is hope for the resistance rose and finn like they learn about they learn about um the gray within warfare yeah through the character of dj we learn about how the idea of having an independent self-centered nihilistic mindset is not helpful to the idea of progress and i think it's saying like there is a wrong way of going about being like kind of under of understanding good and evil as non-binary terms you know, if you approach it like this kind of libertarian ass mindset of like, oh, I understand all the variables at play here, uh, therefore I'm just not going to do anything. That's bad. You know, uh, don't choose. No, that's actually not the answer. 
that's like super evil that like it makes you just complacent and just as useless you know just as evil as the empire because there's anything that star wars does do is that it shows that the empire is stronger than the rebellion the rebellions are rebels for a reason they are not as strong as the empire so when you adopt this type of like don't choose type mindset you will then forever side with the empire because it is just innately stronger than the other side both sides are not equivalent to each other that's true i think i think dj is an important character and it's an important plot line and once again the b and c are just supporting the a yeah so as all of our storylines are are coming together poe is finally learning not you know not to be a flyboy prick he doesn't need to pretend to be a solo or a skywalker he needs mm-hmm. to just help the resistance he needs to preserve hope yeah it's it's taking kind of mm-hmm. a big old fat shit on the idea of like staunch individualism right uh yeah. once again getting at this idea it's not about it's not about like like us as audience members us as star wars fans it's not about our individual idea and attachment to this i think of course that's important our love can just be more open-minded but also like it's not about the individual it's about the it's about something greater it's about all of this right it's about it's about star wars it's about star wars <laughs> This series is called Star Wars, not Luke Skywalker and Pals. Exactly. Like, it's a universe. And that's another thing that the B and C plot lines do really well, is that it emphasizes the struggle of the war effort. Mm-hmm. This isn't you don't really see that too much in the original films or in the prequels. You don't see how this affects regular people. Yeah. Except for when you see Anakin be enslaved as a kid, you know. So you see the soldier effort, and then you see, you know, how individual people are are affected through the war on Cantobite, like the kids who are enslaved. But once again, this is also like the Star Wars movies, like being owned by Disney, and they want to make kids happy, so kids are in the movie. It's still Star Wars. It's in, and like Star Wars is also about and for kids. Mm-hmm. It's about st- they're fucking space wizards. Um, <laughs> so in our space wizard story, ultimately culminates in a battle between space wizards between Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker. Them facing out, except it's not really Luke Skywalker. It is a projection of a force projection of him, right? That he somehow mm-hmm. uh, showed to everyone, right? Which, in might I yes. say, Luke Skywalker, you're the most fucking extra man in the galaxy, shows up with a fresh new cut, fresh new robes, just to fucking talk his fucking nephew. Doesn't even give C-3PO the decency of a conversation, just winks at him. Oh my god. So, yeah, he, he shows up, Kylo, Kylo Ren screaming to blow him up with all their firepower. Luke just mm-hmm. brushes it off. It's... Yeah, it's and it's alluded to earlier in the movie he's like did you expect me to like show up with a laser sword and face down the entire new order that's not how this is gonna work and it is and it isn't like he puts that front on to create his legacy he learns Mm -hmm. from his mistakes he's trying to preserve hope for the for the resistance but he does it in the capacity that he can he physically can't be there himself because even as you know, even through his dying act, he still, he still is flawed. He still emotionally can't be entirely present, which is kind of heartbreaking. Totally. And I even think that you can even go a step further in saying that, like, he's not facing down the entire First Order. What's he doing? He's facing down his nephew. He's facing yeah. down Ben Solo. Like, he's saying, like, I didn't show up to stop the Empire. I stood up to, I stood up to face my mistake. And my mistake in this case was Ben Solo. <laughs> to be like, hey, like, I... I failed you. I, I, I messed up. And I'm sorry. But if you continue down this path, this failure that I've had and that you've had will linger with you. Totally. Which he echoes, because once again, he's echoing the lines of Obi-Wan from A New Hope. Yeah, but they're less like sinister. They're less they like cruel. They're more of like an actual outreach for humanity to be like, I've seen this cycle so many times at this point. Because like, you know, essentially Luke understands what happened in the prequels. He saw Obi-Wan die and mm-hmm. is like, hey, you're you're not going to find you're not going to be at peace with yourself by doing this you know take it from take it from me strike me down in anger and i will always be with you we have our cool fight sequence we get a really cool illusion when luke takes a step and you don't see the white gravel move so it just like the same scene with the lightsaber in the throne room with with snoke we get a little bit of a tease to realize oh luke isn't actually there 
yeah. we get our we get our mind blow we get our we get our mind blown moment when Luke is projecting from the other side of the fucking galaxy. Mm-hmm. I, fans, I don't. That's the coolest shit. I think it's awesome. It really is. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> I, I don't get it. If you, some people wanted like a Dragon Ball Z like power up, yelling, screaming match where they're just throwing like, you know, juggling their lightsabers in the air. But no, this is this is that moment, but more emotionally re- relevant. Um. It's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, Kylo strikes him down, but what does Luke do? He saves him the... Basically saves Kylo from killing him. And what do we get? We get another callback to the this... One of the most iconic scenes ever of Luke looking at the sun again. Yep. And, like, I think it's also notable that, like, the sun is not setting. The sun's bright in the sky. And he's looking straight at it. He doesn't look down. He disappears. And I was filled with so much sadness. He was at peace with himself. Mm-hmm. He touched in. He touched in with his feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's finally become emotionally. He's become more emotionally capable at the end of this movie. So good for you, Luke Skywalker. I'm happy for you, buddy. But I'm also very sad. Yeah, and I think that that's that's kind of what this movie is all about. It's it's bringing these old ideas, these old contexts back forward and being like, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this again. The whole, like, cause when Ray gets there, what does she have to do? She has to move rocks, but she knows yeah. why, you know, she knows, she understands how the force works. It's, it, it is moving rocks, but that's not it. It's, you know, the lesson of what the force is and what star Wars is does not just end there. It does not just end in a lightsaber battle. It's about this greater idea of, of something that connects us all, right? Because we everyone loves Star Wars, right? People don't love Star Wars now because it's, you know, it, it, it has its fan base. But, you know, we all came together for this mutual love of our space wizards. You know, what if, what if that didn't divide us? What if fans didn't harass half the cast off of social media? I don't know. How do we build a rebellion from this point, Joe? We learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. We learn from the past, and we hold on to hope for the future. Yep. And that's what the end of the movie is, is about, when we see Rey still holding on to the Jedi uh, the Jedi books and the broken lightsaber. Yeah, we use, the, we use the remnants of the past to build something bigger and greater than whatever existed before it. You know, just like Yoda said, it's the ultimate lesson of all masters, right? The fear that, you know, your, your students will go on and create something even greater than you are. And that's scary. But hey, you gotta let them do it. So let's hope some some directors and writers come along and create something greater. I I sure hope so. I would have loved to see the last movie of this trip of this. I would have loved to see the sequel to this movie. But we'll never know because it never came out. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Whatever. We still got it. I don't want to end on a sad note. We still got it. It's still really good. No, it's my favorite Star Wars movie. The Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie too. But I genuinely think that there's hope within other aspects of the franchise. Yeah. There's The Mandalorian. A lot of people really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. They, they already started production for a season three of it. Oh, damn. I know, right? They somehow finished season two and they're already prepping season three. Wow. But like season two isn't released yet. Mm-hmm. There's season seven of The Clone Wars, which a lot of people really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it. I enjoyed that. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope, Michael. Yeah. Just can't get so narrow focused on what we think it is, what the series has been, and we will create mm-hmm. something more and greater afterwards, right? Yep. Yeah. So thank you, Ryan Johnson. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate uh, your all your work you put into this movie. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, cast and crew. Thank you. Thank you, extras. Thank you, Mike guy. Thank you. Thank you, PA. I mean, this is just kind of cool. Like, it also has, like, I noticed this time around, like, it also has a nice, diverse background cast. So, yeah. It's something. Yeah. Sure. I'd like to thank Kylo Ren's workout routine for giving uh, <laughs> one of us one of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie. Adam Driver, looking great. Kylo Thick. I, lo- I love to see it. Yeah, I, I want to say with- in my notes, I just wrote Kylo Thick when we got to that scene with five C's. <laughs> <laughs> looking great. <laughs> but okay. Oh, so just, you know, to kind of like round us off, because this is, you know, this is going to be our first episode. Uh, and I feel like it would be applicable, especially in because we're talking about it. Oh, what does Star Wars mean to you, Joe? Star Wars, to me, is a call to action. 
Star Wars is often compared to um, Joseph Campbell's monolith of the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Like it perfectly embodies that. And for me, especially understanding that this is a continuous series and growing up loving it and watching it, even the bad ones, (laughs) (laughs) even through the midichlorians, for me, it's always been a call to action. And I think that's why I really like The Last Jedi, because it definitely feels the most like that. And that's for me on a personal level, but understanding Star Wars on a cultural level, I think it's a call to creative action. Star Wars is incredibly inventive and was groundbreaking at the time of its creation. It was a whole new concept combining all these different types of genres and using brand new technology. George Lucas really tripped on a lot of acid to make this shit work. (laughs) Um, So... I recognize that, and I applaud that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to flip the question on you now, Michael. What does Star Wars mean to you? It, it's funny that the first thing I think about is color, in that uh, I'm someone who, who I really like. I like color in my movies uh, in the same way that I like the idea of having you know, good and bad, you know, good and bad villains so much. There are definitely times when I think this movie hits it right, where you know, you know, you need to be able to understand that that there are things that you know there there are of course you know exceptions and differences in opinion that in context that changes how you should interpret you know good and evil but ultimately there's still there's still bad out there there's still definitively bad things that you can do and you know that ultimately uh, something good you know with, with great evil there will arise a great good right and on a very basic level there's going to be a red there's going to be a blue. Some 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 great power, some great thing will stop something else. And I think to me, I, there's a little bit of comfort in the idea for me, in that like, oh, we we can stop, we can stop an oppressive force, like specifically by working together. I like that. I like you, and I like you too. Um, <laughs> and you know who else I like? What? Our listeners. Our listeners. So, dear listeners. If you have any thoughts on Star Wars, why don't you tell us what Star Wars means to you? You could comment on our posts or shoot us an email. Totally. Uh, That being said, uh, we'll look forward to hearing you next time. Totally. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at popthecultureapod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. (laughs) And I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry and the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on Twitter.com and Instagram at Joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.